strong more than say, hey, not me. The Bible says I am blessed. The Bible says he was made poor that I may become rich. The Bible says I am not weak. The Bible says I am the head and not the tail. Go ahead and reign in life. Go ahead and move mountains. Go ahead and jump. Go ahead and win. Go and make lots of progress in life. Why? It's possible. You are listening to a podcast by Senior Pastor of Life Free Church, Prophet Gomezio Shamani. The Church Community, Part 5. Part 5. If you have your Bibles, your notepads, pens, please get them ready. And uh, prepare your hearts. So this, uh, this past few weeks we have been uh, looking at some of the things that were addressed in the churches that you know, would help uh, believers position themselves better. And in the past few weeks we looked at one of the things that were addressed. We looked at doctrines, we looked at disciplines... And we looked at disputes. These were some of the things that were addressed in the church. I think we went a little bit deeper with regards to disputes. And we showed and even taught how you can handle disputes within a church community. And I pray these are things that you are deliberately practicing. That will help you, you know, live in peace and harmony with one another. Today, we are looking at the second stream of uh, things that were addressed. Because I talked about three streams that uh, were addressed. But today, we are looking at the second stream. And under this stream, we are going to look at practices, prophecies, postures. I added another one, patterns. So we're going to look at practices, prophecies, postures, and patterns. We may not touch everything today because they are quite broad. But nevertheless, that's what we'll look at. Then when we enter the last stream, we'll look at warfare, welfare, worship. Alright. Now, we will start by looking at practices. Saints of God, within the church community, God by His Spirit has deliberately been demanding for certain practices to be demonstrated within the church at large. Now, practices are spiritual demands 
and expectations that God ex- that, that, that God requires of you to carry out. These are deliberate demonstrations that you and I need to carry out. Practices are so important within the church. That is why it is one of the biggest things, you know, that is written about in the epistles and even when uh, the Spirit of God is addressing the churches. So yes, you and I have to have the capacity to carry out certain practices as guided by the scriptures. In Joshua 1 and verse 8, the Bible shows us why practices are very important. Because practices have the capacity to initiate and influence certain results in our lives. You may want to understand and want to know that you are where you are because of the practices that you engage yourself with. You are where you are because of the actions that you decided to carry out. And in Joshua 1 verse 8, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. You see that? He's giving you a practice. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe according to all that is written in it. Then it says, For then you will make a prosperous way and then you will have good success. A prosperous way and good success do not happen to people by default. These are products of practices. Hallelujah. These are products of practices. If we want... To get to a place of prosperity and have good success with regards to what the scriptures guide and expect of us, then there must be practices. There must be things you and I need to act upon. And if we choose not to do so, then we shouldn't expect such products to be seen in our lives because we are not practicing. So, you and I are action or must be action oriented. In Matthew chapter number 7 and verse 24, the Lord Jesus Christ stressed how it's important to actually act. The Bible says, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Do you see that? It's not enough for you to hear. It's not enough for you to listen. That's why somebody can, ach- can attend church for so many years, listening and listening. But if they don't practice what they listen, then they are just wasting their time. Then they will not see certain results. The Bible says, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him 
to a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's what Jesus says. It simply means there is a demand for you and I to hear the sayings of God, but not just hear the sayings of God, to act them out. If we are going to teach about fasting, it should not be something that should just be heard. It should be something that must be demonstrated. Why? Practices in the kingdom produce results. Practices in the kingdom provoke results. At the end of the day, seeing that we are all wired to practice things, if you don't get to practice what God is saying, by default you will practice what God is not saying. Eh? If you don't get to practice what God is saying, by default you will start practicing what God is not saying. And remember, before a product is a practice. So at the end of the day, someone will say, this has happened to me because I did this, this and that. Yes. The results you attracted were because of the practices that you engaged yourself in. While we are studying on practices... We don't want to talk about the practices of the world and the practices of believers. We want to strictly come to the practices of believers. Because that is where our major focus is as we are looking at the church community. Now, you will notice something. There is a parable in the scriptures that is known as the parable of the wise and foolish what? Virgins. There is a reason why they are called virgins. It's because there is an element of, obviously, uh, purity. And there is an element of, it is a category of a same type of people. So when the Bible gives us a parable of wise and foolish virgins, before we categorize between the wise and the foolish ones, we must first acknowledge that all of them are virgins. We must all acknowledge that all of them are what? Are virgins. That's their first uh, place of description. Then from the virgins, their practices cause them to, to categorize themselves either as wise or foolish. So even within the church community, we must all acknowledge that we are born again believers. But your practices will categorize you to either act as one who is wise or one who is foolish. You are not foolish, but you act as one. That's what the Bible says. In Ephesians it says, live as one who is wise, not as foolish. Talking to the believers. It simply means a believer is not a fool, but can choose to act like one by his practices. Glory to God. So it is important to have practices. And at the end of the day, do you know that judgment that will come 
on both the saints and the unbelieving is according to their practices. Yes. To the believer, your judgment will be according to your works. That's where you will get your rewards from. The Bible says your works will pass through fire, not your words. Your works, what you practice, not your intentions. It's not your intentions that will pass through fire. It's your works that will pass through fire. Remember, Jesus is also making an address in Matthew chapter number 7. And he's talking about people who will not make it to heaven. And when he's talking about them, he says something very cardinal that they may have missed in their practices. Matthew chapter number 7 and verse 21 to 23. Not everyone... Somebody say, not everyone. Yeah, so not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, the kingdom of heaven is not for the people who say. Not everyone who said to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. It simply means there are those who merely say but don't act. But then there are those who both say and act. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who what? Who does, not who says. He who practices the will of, the, of my Father in heaven. Next verse. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name. Next verse. Then... I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Practitioner is who you are. It just matters what you practice. Jesus exposes to us two major fundamental practices that you and I should engage in. What is the first thing he says? He says, I never knew you. It simply means one of the most cardinal, if not most important practice you must have is to know God. It is a practice. You must know God. But the next thing he says is depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So it is not enough just to know God. You should practice what is lawful according to the scriptures. I know him and I demonstrate his will. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ask your neighbor, do you know God? What have they said? Okay, first, before you even ask your neighbor, ask yourself, do you know God? <laughs> then do you practice 
what is lawful according to God's will. Or you are the one who says, Lord, Lord. And you know, if you notice in the previous verse, there is something that's quite strange. First of all, in verse 23, Jesus was saying, you who practice lawlessness, right? But these guys were saying, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not casted out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? It's simply, it's like they are saying, Lord, we are doing good things. But how come Jesus is saying you are practicing lawlessness? Then it gets to show us a very cardinal truth. You cannot practice lawfulness and lawlessness at the same time. So if it seems like you are practicing what is lawful, then also practicing what, when what is lawlessness, then maybe it is not you who is demonstrating things. What do I mean? What do I mean? What I mean is, if you say we healed in your name, Yet Jesus is saying you are practicing lawlessness. Then it simply means if someone got healed, you are not the one who healed him. It's Jesus who healed him because of his mercies. Hello? Practices. Apart from that, the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, chapter 3, we won't go there. Jesus is addressing practices to every church he goes to. He introduces himself and then says, I know your works. I know your practices. I know them. I know them. And so today we really want... To get to a place where we recondition our practices to be according to the will of God. The church at Ephesus in Revelation 2 was told, Ah, I know you do this. But one practice you are having is that you are losing, you have lost your first love. You've lost your first love. I don't like these practices. And he says, repent. Sometimes when you go another, when you, real, when, you are, when you come out from alignment through an action, you need, the only way you come back to realignment is through actions, not words. Hello? And it applies in many, in, in many spheres. Okay? Why didn't you come to church? I'll come this Sunday. No, you will not come. Because you are trying to correct an action with a word. Address what is hitting or that is making you act abnormally. So that you act normally. Turn to your neighbor and say practices again. Yeah. So I said the major components of practices is that you must know God. You must know God. And number two, you must practice what is lawful. 
In Daniel 11, should be verse 32, the Bible says, They that know their God shall be strong. And, ah, my goodness. And they shall carry out great exploits. They shall do mighty works. It's, do you know what that means? It simply means, okay, if we read it the other way. It says, people who know their God shall what? Be strong. And carry out what? Great exploits. Let's read it this way. People who don't know their God shall be what? Shall be weak and fail to carry out great exploits. Your lack of greatness is because of non-association with the God of greatness. Praise be to God. So, let's talk about knowing God. I came to understand something. I came to notice that as I was studying the epistles, the writers would stress a lot about knowing God. They would talk a lot. No God, no God, no God, no God. And I said, ah, ah. This thing about knowing God is very important. Eh? You know, in the, in the book of Second Peter, chapter number 1 and verse 2, Peter says something. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God. Are you seeing that? Huh. It's saying grace. What is grace? It's, it's divine empowerment. What is peace? Peace is shalom. It's, it's a compound word that talks about safety, that talks about health, that talks about wholeness. That's, that's, so imagine empowerment, safety, and everything is multiplied. It is not multiplied by saying, I receive. It is multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Ah! You know what that means? It simply means there are certain things in the kingdom that can't be tapped. But can only be produced by your personal work with God. Tell your neighbor you can't tap everything. Yeah. So Peter is saying, grace and peace to you. Let it be multiplied in the knowledge of God. He didn't say, I declare. He was showing you the way it should be multiplied. Next verse. Listen. Next verse. <laughs> he doesn't end there. This man is making emphasis. And he says, as his divine power has given us all things. He's given us what? He's given us what? Uh-huh. That pertain to life and godliness. Wait. Did it end there? It says, through the knowledge of him who called us. There are, no, there are some realities you will not experience that pertain to life until you grow in the knowledge of God. Yet you have all things. Growth is a demand. Joy can have, joy can have a Mac X, but she will never drive it until she grows. So realities are experienced through growth. 
Amen. Paul. Oh, uh, this same Peter. Imagine the previous verse is talking about the knowledge of God. The next verse is talking about the knowledge of God. He goes into chapter three again. Him, Kaili, his books were not even very long. He goes to chapter three and verse eighteen. And guess what he's saying again? But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ah. Three times in one book. He is showing us one cardinal practice is for you to grow to know God. It's for you to grow to know God. Paul in Philippians chapter number 3 and verse 8 expresses how knowing God is cardinal and he values that knowing a certain way. Let me show you. Look at what Paul is saying. (laughs) I I want you to give it to me in the Amplified. Amplified makes me. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as a loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him of perceiving, recognizing and understanding him more and fully clearly. And he says, for his sake I have lost everything and I consider it all to be mere rubbish. He's saying everything else ni loss. Me, I just want to know Jesus. Another time, this same guy says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, we love to applaud the strength of Paul in the church. We love to applaud the strength of the apostle Peter in church. Yet what's very similar in these guys who demonstrated mighty strength is that they knew the importance of knowing God. Yes, they knew the importance. We applaud the strength of John. All these are men that are identified as people that got to know God. Paul gives us really a lovely picture of what knowing God is. He tells us, first of all, that it is a priceless privilege. It's a privilege to know God. Has someone ever come to you and said, it's a privilege to say hi to you? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Not your life. (laughs) Or someone just said, I'm honored. You get that a lot, eh? Okay, obviously, yeah. yeah. Now, Paul acknowledges that it's a priceless privilege to know God, but not only does he say it's a priceless privilege to know God, he shows us that knowing God, in knowing God, 
what happens is that there is, there is a progressiveness of you becoming deeply acquainted with him. Fond of him. Attached. Okay, yeah, we can tell. You, you, when, when, if, 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 if I were to say, have you ever been attached to someone? Yeah, there you can say. Yeah. So, the Bible shows us that in knowing God, you become deeply acquainted with Him. But not just deeply, intimately. Intimately. There is intimacy. I love you, Lord. There is intimacy. So, when there is a deep acquaintance that you even become so fond of God, and then there is intimacy, then you can say you are progressively knowing God. But not only that, in your knowing of God, you will be able to perceive Him, recognize Him, understand Him more fully and clearly. Yes. Wamana, I the Lord will give you a breakthrough. And then Wamana says, Huh? Is that the Lord? Or is it my mind? Do you know why it's very easy to introduce your mindset? Because you don't know God. So when you get to know Him, you will get to perceive and recognize him clearly. Don't go there. Sit down. Yes, Lord, I hear you. It, it, it will be easy. Yes. My walk, I, one of the things I've gotten to appreciate in my walk with God is when you grow in, the, in your walk with God, you will know God so clearly that even when there are other interruptions, you still know that God has spoken something. I'll give you an example. There's a time that I loved Manchester United very much. I was an extreme fanatic. I, I, I'm glad I'm delivered, but... I was an extreme fanatic that if Manchester United loses and you want to provoke me, I will fight. <laughs> you just say, hey, man, you fans, how are you? <laughs> how is the temperature? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, was, I was so in love with Manu. And every result that I expected and I wanted of Manchester United is a win. Now, I found myself, when I was starting to grow, yes, I was a believer, I was starting to grow, and I'm watching a Manchester United match. When I'm watching a Manchester United match, uh -uh. you know, I'll feel like we are winning this match. No, we're going to win this match. We, there's no way we're losing. We're going to win. I'll feel it. I'll perceive it. Unfortunately, I will think that perception is the Lord. 
Here is my emotions. And then we would lose. Yeah. And it is from there. That's why we advise people whenever they are emotional, let them go to somebody, right? Because your emotions can cloud your judgment. But I'll tell you this. When you grow intimately and deeper with God, emotions can't even cloud your judgment. They can't. They can't interfere. He's a, he's, he's, he's a, he's a witness that there are times I would see him, maybe he's watching soccer and I'll go there, I'll put the scores on the TV and I go. And then it happens. I don't know if you get offended at this man, what's wrong with him? You know? But even, even now, those who stay with me know if Manchester United is losing that day, I won't even watch the match. I won't even watch. My wife was like, baby, come and watch. I said, for what? I don't support losers. So I'm, I'm, I'm able to separate my want from what God is saying. Why? Such clear clarity to be able to perceive and recognize God comes when you get to know Him. And this should be your number one goal. To know God. Sometimes wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I want to know you more. Isn't that so? Yeah. Like start from someone. Someone will think, how do I get to know God? Start from somewhere. Okay, just start from somewhere. To know God. It's like when you buy a new phone. You'll be like, how do I insert settings in this phone? At least start from somewhere. Din is a yasha. Start scrolling. Start. That's how you get to learn some things. Even if you want to go deep with God, listen. Someone says me, I'm not deep with God. Yes, fine. You may. You don't need. You know. You don't need to be deep at that moment for you to know God. Start by just acknowledging Him, praying to Him. Asking him, I want to know you. Find, make ways possible for me to know you. And it will help you greatly. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I want to know God. Now, there is a big challenge that believers have that is affecting them in knowing God. Can I show you? 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 and verse 20. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 20. This is what... This is what is affecting you a lot. Do you have KJV? Like just direct KJV. Okay. It's fine. You can even use NKJV. Now, the Bible says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. In short, don't be childish. Then it says, <laughs> yeah, don't be childish. There's, there's in scripture, don't be childish. 
Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babies. So the Bible is saying, don't be childish, but be childlike. There's a difference. Being childlike has to do with a posture. Being childish is in the brain. So, the Bible says, do not be children in understanding, but in malice, other versions say, in evil. Be babies. What does it mean? It simply means when things have to do with evil, whatever has to do with evil, you must become innocent like babies. You must become, you must, it's all, listen, in short, the Bible is saying, if it has to do with evil, it's okay to be ignorant. You know what is affecting your growth in the knowledge of God? It's because you are allowing yourself to also grow in evil. Yes. You are allowing yourself to also grow in evil. The challenge that many believers have The challenge that many believers have currently is that they are updated with every trend. All the trends for TikTok, all the trends for Facebook, you are updated. If we tell you, shiny, shiny, shiny trend, you'll be like, oh, that one. Now, I want to show you something. You don't practice that trend, but the problem is you know it. Now, ah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Basa, come. That's the problem with there's, there's what is known as acquaintance. Acquaintance is so powerful. Listen, imagine this guy starts eating a lot of cold things. A lot of cold things, a lot of cold things, a lot of cold things. Then he gets a flu, right? Then he gets a flu. If I come to him and I'm close to him, you will notice something. I don't have to eat what he's eating. But my association with me, him, will make me catch what he caught. I don't have to eat what is caught. I just need to be associated with him and I will catch his flu without saying I receive. Who has ever received a flu by saying I receive? There are laws of association that transform those who are associated to become like them, like each other. That's why the Bible says, flee from the company of fools. Because if you're going to be there, you can't say, no, I'm just... Uh, no. Amen and amen. So practices in knowing God are very important, but you must be able to avoid the threat of knowing evil. I've been in the deliverance ministry for more than 10 years now. Ask me to teach you on demons, I'll tell you I don't know. I only need one name, and that's Jesus. 
He, Jesus' levels doesn't, Jesus does not complicate things. In the kingdom of darkness, there's a lot of complication. The Bible says, you shall trample upon snakes and scorpions and powers of the enemies. Mm, guys, like there are too many categories, snakes, scorpions, powers, uh, in the high places, in the shanshan, wickedness. Oh. But then the Bible just says, at the name of Jesus. That's all, Jesus. Jesus fear <laughs> is enough. So yes, Kusatanism, Kuzankala, I'm a queen from Zambezi River. This other I'm a queen. Even, <laughs> yeah, it's sad. Even, in, even males are now becoming queens in Satanism. <laughs> I'm a queen of a kingdom. Like, anyway, that's fine. Queen, king, whatever. I only know one, one king of kings, one lord of lords. His name is Jesus. I don't care whether your level is level 5, level 10, level 15. I know one level. That's Jesus. Up to the highest level ever. And that's the one I'm going to know. You know too much about Satan. You've got serious technology about Satan. You've got serious technology about Satan. No. Imagine a Satanist was just standing next to me and started sucking my blood. Your blood. You've got too much technology about evil. But you don't have spiritual technology about God. Okay, yes, if that technology really is true, why can't you have spiritual technology that blocks that connectivity? It's because you don't get to grow in the knowledge of God. Amen and amen. The only thing we are taught not to be ignorant are about his devices and strategies, not his nature and personality. That's all. My strategy is same changes. Same. In a pillar brain. Same strategies. He uses it on Eve, he wants to use it on Jesus. Same. 2,000 years later, he wants to use it on Kapembo. <laughs> Glory to God. Somebody say, I will know my God. So that should be a deliberate. Deliberate. Objective. Those are what we call Christian goals. You only observe couple goals. You can also have Christian goals. That man knows the Lord. Hallelujah. Practices. Thank you. Now, Paul describes how practices are very, very important, whether it is you getting to know God or whether it is you getting to practice what is lawful. And the reason why he addresses them and every other minister of the gospel in the Bible addresses them, obviously is because those practices can affect you a certain way. But I want to show you something. This is what the Lord told me. He says, in every practice that is guided or is provided for your action, 
the reason why one of the reasons why it is provided for you to practice a certain thing is because in every practice is a hidden revelation of you hello in every practice is a hidden revelation of you so if the bible encourages you to practice something known as prayer the hidden revelation of you is that you are a priest that's why you will notice with regards to prayer they'll tell you can you pray pray without ceasing paul is telling the churches pray pray for me pray without ceasing he is showing them that listen prayer is a great responsibility but not just is it a great responsibility there is a hidden revelation in the practice that you actually carry out so if he asks you to pray then you will know that ah uh-uh, i am a priest one of the one of the most fundamental practices that were revealed in the scriptures start from acts chapter number 2 and verse 42 acts 2 and verse 42 And they continued steadfastly in... This is the early church. Alright? This is the early church. The Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. One. Number two, in fellowship. Number three, in breaking of bread. And number four, in prayers. Four major things that were seen were practices that were there in the, in, in the early church. It says they steadfastly committed themselves to the apostles' doctrine. To the word that was being taught by the apostles, by their pastors. It was a practice to give attention to the word of God. Number two, it was a practice to give attention to fellowship. I like what this is. Okay? It's, it's talking about fellowship and it's talking about breaking of bread. When, when, you, when you look at these two things, fellowship and breaking of bread, a fellowship, breaking of bread is actually fellowship. When you're breaking bread, you're actually fellowshipping. But it seems like it brought out, you know, um, uh, fellowship separately. Then for me, I would understand something with regards to fellowship. Number one, there is what is known as corporate fellowship. And number two, there is what is known as your personal fellowship with God. So, they continued in fellowship. It simply means they met together, like the way we've met. Alright? But then, even when they went to their own homes, they fellowshiped with the Lord. As believers. That was, that was what was helping them eventually to grow in the knowledge of God. And then the Bible says they practiced what is known as breaking of bread. Usually the breaking of bread would be done, would be done in smaller groups. Because if you do it in a a serious place of so many people. So usually they would do it in smaller groups. You know what those groups are called? Cells. 
So it simply means even the system of sales was important to them. But apart from that, prayer was also important. Hallelujah. So what are the practices we are seeing? Remember all these have point you to knowing God and also point you to practicing things lawfully. So the practices we are seeing is that there was, there was an emphasis in the church community for people to value the word of God. Value the word of God. It simply means study the word of God, listen to the word of God. That is where you and I have to deliberately act and deliberately, you know, uh, practice. You need to be reading your Bibles. You need to be listening to the Word. It's beneficial for you. It's a practice. I can, I can have a sermon on each practice. Teach on how important it is to listen to the Word of God. But I may not go into that today. However, I want to show you that there are practices like listening to the word of God that was important. That you and I have to deliberately also engage. There were practices like fellowship that were important. Practices like breaking of bread. Meeting in smaller groups. Fellowship. It simply means... <laughs> isolation was isolation was was not encouraged to be a practice. I left the church, but not <laughs> not the what? Huh? I left the church, not Jesus. Huh. Where are those coming from? It simply means someone who's going to devise such a statement did not steadfastly heed to the apostles' doctrine. Neither did they understand that the scripture said practice fellowship. Do you remember in Hebrews chapter number 10, the Bible tells us do not stop the habit of doing what? Hebrews 10.25, right? Many of you even know that scripture. But Kulova, hey, who is your scripture but Kulova? You don't attend to that scripture. Now, Hebrews 10, go back. I want to show you something. Not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together as is the manner of some. It simply means some people forsake the manner or rather the habit of meeting together. In fact, it's called a, it's called a manner. And it says, don't be, don't be like those who have chosen not to meet together. It is a bad habit. It is bad manners. And then it says, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The coming of Jesus. It's saying, guys, you need to meet more often. 
You, meet, you need to meet more often. Then it says, if you see Jesus Christ coming closer, like he's, the coming of Jesus is getting closer and closer, don't just meet, meet more. That's what it says. It says, don't just meet, meet more. Then, at the end of the day, you and I must get to understand the importance of corporate fellowship. Why am I being taught to meet more? And there is something that I catch. And David gave us that wisdom. He says, better is one day in the courts of God than a thousand elsewhere. It simply means if you had the choice to go to a party and be in church, if you chose church better than the party, you've not made the wrong decision. It may look like you've denied enjoyment, but once you came in church, there is something that you partake of. Afterwards, this is a king. Do you know what he said? He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper. I would rather be at the door. I can even, if you want, I can be locking the door. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than, you know, someone prestigious in the tents of wickedness. Practices. Practices. So, what is your job? Your job is to observe practices that are provided in Scripture. And when you find those practices that are provided in Scripture, begin to research what is the importance. What is the importance? When you understand the importance, you will begin to practice more often. I'll give an example. Why do you brush your teeth? Can someone say something? Why do you brush your teeth? I'll tell you this. People brush their teeth for different reasons. But primarily, you're brushing your teeth so that you can preserve your teeth and have it become stronger. That's primary reason. Secondarily, sometimes you brush your teeth so that you don't have what? Uh Now, if your primary reason is to brush your teeth so that your mouth doesn't smell, then it simply means the day your semester closes, you will stop brushing your teeth. Because you will not be meeting people. You think, what's the point? Why is Sukusem Kamwa? Because I'm not meeting anyone. I can everywhere I want. It's the same reason people have with regards to bathing. Why do you bath? So that I can go out. So if you're not going out, we are not bathing. <laughs> so until you get to understand the full importance of certain practices, you will not be committed to them. The reason why you are not consistent with prayer is because you don't understand the importance of prayer. And sometimes the only revelation of prayer you have is the prayer of petition where you can only ask God for something. That's the only reason you can pray. 
but you didn't know that prayer also helps you. The only reason you the, the reason you're not committed to the word is because you don't understand. The reason you don't come to church consistently is because you don't understand. You think the priceless encounter that you can have today can be postponed to next week. Nanda I said to Nizaka next week. You feel that you a priceless encounter with God. So that you can just relax. No. So understand the practices that are there in the scriptures. But don't just understand. I mean, don't just observe them. Alright? Once, once you look at the practices that have been provided in the scripture, get to understand why they are important. I was researching on drinking water. Ah! And I thought water usually was just to quench my thirst. And that's why many of us drink water. So that our thirst can be quenched. But, we've got doctors here, they can explain. No, actually, water helps you do this. Shani, shani, it controls the nani. Eh, water. (laughs) You are so important to me. (laughs) Eh? Yes. And you drink it more often. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there are remnants who don't drink water when fasting. Yeah. Don't even swallow saliva. It's a practice. Yeah. Like if you want to punish the flesh, punish. Do not quench the flesh. Yeah. How do you quench the flesh with super shake? How do you fast with super shake? Yeah. At, at I'm so super that the enemy can't shake me. <laughs> My goodness. So, practices are important. And don't forget in every practice there's a revelation of you. What, what's one of the revelations you have when you pray? You're a priest. What's one revelation that you have when you attend to the word? You're a king. Because the Bible says the word of the king, there is power. So kings play with words. That's what they play with. Priests. <laughs> On the other hand, they handle prayer. Alright? What is a revelation of you fellowshipping with the Lord intimately? You are a son. So every practice has a revelation of you. A hidden revelation of you. Which you need to understand. What is the revelation of you meeting with fellow believers? You're a witness. You're a student. Because you get to learn. Amen and amen. What is the revelation? There are other practices which I, I can add, but the only challenge is if I add them, I can talk a lot. There are practices that we see the Bible actually tell us to do. Like for example, service. Serving is a, is a, is a, is a practice. First Peter chapter number 4 and verse 10. As each one has received a gift, 
Ah, listen, it's writing to who? It's writing to us as believers. Now, I want us to read properly. It's nice that when, when you're reading, you read properly and you analyze. As each one has received a gift. Wait. Is it saying as each one will receive? Hello? Is it saying as each one will receive? It's saying as each one has received. Do you know what that means? You, each of you have gifts. All of you. All, all, all of you. All of you. No son is born without a gift. Even Jesus was gifted when he was born. As each one has received a gift. Now a gift is not a talent. A talent is something that you can develop because of the passion that you may have. A gift is an endowment. Is a capacity that God placed in you for others. That's what a gift is. A gift is not for your sake. It's for the sake of others. So the Bible says, as each one has received a gift, look at what it says, minister it to who? To who? Does it say to yourself? You see? Have you noticed why your gift doesn't work on yourself? You've got the gift of healings. Just everyone healed. You were headache, Shab. Headache. I lay myself by the gift. I lay. I lay. Ah, well. The moment you just hit, it even becomes worse. Woo, woo, woo. Why? Your gift was not meant for yourself. It's for others. It's for others. That's why what Elisha carried was still affecting people even when he died. How can his bones raise the dead yet his bones can't sustain him to be alive? <laughs> he died with a flu. <laughs> the Bible says a small illness. Uh, yeah. yet, yet his bones raise the dead. A gift is meant for others. Now, what, is the, what revelation do you have when you are taught to practice service? The revelation that is there of you is that you are a steward. The revelation of you is that you are a steward. Praise be to God. A steward simply means you've been given something but it's not yours. At the end of the day, they will come to you and say, I want this. I want the results. Some of you are managers in companies. But that company is not yours. They will come to you and say, I want to see profits. No, but hey, hey, I want profits. That's why I'm a manager. Praise be to God. So service was also another practice. Serving the Lord was a practice that was taught in the church. How many have I said? Prayer, the word, fellowship, breaking of bread, service. 
Another practice that was constantly spoken about in the scriptures is righteous living. Ah, this is the one. These are the those are when you enter such people like keeping quiet. Why does he like talking about that all the time, Mister Mr. Horia? Horia, I receive. <laughs> Righteous living or holy living. Listen. Holiness and righteousness are things that you received when you got born again. You are holy, made holy by God. Alright? You are made holy by God. You are made righteous by God. But even though you are made that way, you now need to act that way. <sighs> Maybe you don't get me. Dear one Sam, come. He was made to be a man. So if he's made to be a man, he should act like a man. He's a man, but he says, oh, stop it. Come on, Naomi. Oh. A man, but is not acting like one. So it is possible for you to be holy, but not live holy. It's possible for you to be righteous, but not live righteously. No different from Deacon Sam acting as a girl. Amen and amen. We ask you, what is your gender? Male or female? At Paribe. <laughs> Paribe. <laughs> Paribe. Eh? Them. Others. The rest. <laughs> it has to be a practice. Living righteous should be a practice. Listen. Remember I told you. Practices at the end of the day is what God will demand of you. He will come to you and say, ah, what were you practicing? Sir, ah, 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 ah. what were you Living righteousness simply means everything you do in expression, starting from your talking, your walking, your dressing, your eating, your dating, everything. They are practices to live righteous. Hallelujah. We talked about having a slit from Genesis to Revelation. Meanwhile, you are also reading the book of Genesis to Revelation. And your clothing is showing us. Listen. It's a church community. I'm speaking on behalf of men. We don't want to see. We, we, we don't want to see. Show us your progress, not your belly. So, 
Some of you say, no, I'm not, dress, I'm, I'm not dressing so that people should see me. Then dress in your bed. Ah. Because at the end of the day, the way you dress, you're going to come out in public. And the people who see you is not yourself, it is others. You... Yeah. <laughs> No, we are teaching. So that after I teach, I should find you. Uh, I should find. So, righteous living is a practice. Listen, the reason why I'm telling you even just simple things about clothing is this. Do you know the first regulatory role, or rather, yeah, the first... Uh, Raw that was given to the priests uh, when, 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 when they were carrying out their practices. They were told, before you do anything, wear your garment. No priest was allowed to serve without a garment. It simply means God regulated a dress code for priests. Ha! <sighs> Listen. Do you know that God could not kill Aaron as long as the robe was on him? He told him, I want to kill you. It simply means an attire had the anointing. That's why there is, the Bible gives us a mini dictionary of certain attires in the Bible. It will tell you what is known as a priestly garment. But Proverbs will also tell you what is known as a prostitute's attire. Why? That one works well with seducing spirits. Amen and amen. God, if God wanted you, if God wanted mankind to, bring, to just be naked, he would not have dressed up Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve chose trees to dress themselves. But trees have got spaces and holes. Make in your trousers and your shirts. <laughs> Everywhere, ho. Ho. The last ho you enter is hell. Ah, Yakosa. Ah, Yakosa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Galatians 5 verse 19. In case people are just being, no, people are just being tough. Oh. Huh? Imagine if you have, if you, if you, if, if you go to heaven and then your attire, the, the new body they give you attire as a crop top. Are you going to worship God? <laughs> Now, the works, the practices of the flesh are evident. Now it begins to address them. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Next verse. Idolatry, sorcery. Listen. Witchcraft is put in the same category as fornication. Same. 
Hatred is put in the same category as witchcraft. Contentiousness, jealousies, junior witch. Outbursts of wrath. <laughs> selfish ambitions. Do you know what selfish ambitions is? Anything that has to do with just selfish and is not involving you. I mean others. That's selfish ambition. If you want to be rich for yourself, prosper for yourself, selfish ambition. Oh, you can, the other word, aka sorcery. Dissensions, heresies. Even now, false teaching. <laughs> Next verse. Envy, murders, drunkenness. Drawati. Drunkenness is a practice. E, spe- e pronunciation. <laughs> but you get it. Wonga can be libris. Libris. But nevertheless, we are, prov- we are preserved by saying, and the like. <laughs> of which. I tell you beforehand, he's speaking to the church at Galatia. I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, it simply means he was constantly saying these things and we'll keep talking about it. Just as I told you in the time past that those who what practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's no, there's, this, is, this is not Greek. Practice. If you, don't, if you practice, you will not. So if we are telling you, we are not judging you, we are preserving you. No. We are preserving you. If I see, if you are wearing, if you are doing certain things and we say, I'm not judging you. I'm telling you a prophecy of your practice. So what do you need to do? Change your practice to change your destination. Otherwise, covering will not cover you that day. You're not going to heaven because of a covering, my spiritual covering. You've been making statements. I'm not under pressure, I'm under covering. You're under covering, but you're uncovering. Tell your neighbor, stop. Listen. Even though you mute me, you can't mute God. I'm not the one who takes you to heaven. Even though you mute me, you use another username. I'm not the one who will be at the gate of heaven. I'm not. Understand that you can mute your pastor, but you can't mute God. You can mute, mute your deacons, but you can't mute... Huh? Here, you've posted a poster. Next one, you post something that is fighting the poster. Then you mute... <laughs> Yeah. 
But there's also just another problem. It's difficult to mute certain people. Especially prophets. One of my practices is to walk in love. If you are drinking, anyone that drinks in this place, you can't hide from me. You are here. You smoke, drink. You can't hide. You phony. At the end of the day, you need to understand. The Bible, should be, that, that should be first uh, Timothy. I'm not sure. 4.8, if it's the one, you can beam it. Well, it says, it says, Godliness profits in all things. Physical exercise profits a little. Then it says, but godliness profits in all things. Godliness in, in, its, in, its, in its practice is a benefit. It's a benefit. Then, the Bible gets to tell us that this same godliness living lawfully has a great reward. Not just now, but in the life to come. It simply means those who practice godliness will not just be rewarded in heaven. Even now here. Hallelujah. Right. What other practices were encouraged in the Bible? Ethics. Ethics. These are set of belief systems that guide how you behave. Ethics concerning finances. Okay, you found it. I got it. Yeah. Ethics with regards to how you relate with others. Ethics with regards to so many different things. In fact, um, should be First Thessalonians 4 verse 11. Tells us one very interesting ethic everyone should have. One of my favorites. I want you to also aspire to lead a quiet life. To mind your own business. Do you know that it's an ethic? Some people, <laughs> some people are in everyone's business. And someone says the reason why they, are in, they don't mind their own business is because number one, they have no mind. And number two, they have no business. So that's why sometimes they are deconsum. Who are you dating this time? They are monitoring deconsum's life like, oof. So it says, mind your own business. And then listen. It says, unto work. This is a practice. Listen, if you ever, if you ever thought the Bible teaches people to be lazy, you are wrong. The Bible says, Mind your own business and work with your own hands as we have. So it's been they've been saying it. No, you Christians just make other people lazy. No. Who says we make people lazy? The Bible says work. In fact, it even says the, the lazy should not be rewarded. Hmm? Yet the government rewards the lazy. The scriptures don't reward the lazy. Isn't it the lazy who like to cry to the government? They want a reward. Because their vote feels like it's worth a reward. But in the Bible it says, work with your own hands. 
practices. Hallelujah. Then, the last practice I'll, I'll share with you. There are practices that were encouraged in the Bible, and these practices had to do with order. Order. There is certain order that needs to be in the church community. Yes, we are all saved by grace whatsoever, but you need to understand there is order. There are systems. Okay? Someone once came and said, I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm coming from uh, another province and uh, I, I, I want to join Life Rich Church as a pastor so that I can be helping you minister to the people. I said, uh-uh. How? You want to come as a pastor? I said, the order of how you join the church, you join the church as flock, not as a pastor. What's the order? You join as a flock, not as pastor. So that's that so you find that sometimes people want to bring disorder in systems. Sometimes the systems can be within the church. Okay? There are systems that we make within the church. Those systems need to be honored. I'll not talk about them, you know them now. If you are in workforce, you know the system that is in workforce. If you are a deacon, you know the systems that deacons have. If you are a department head, vice, you know all those. They are systems. So anytime you disturb systems, it is a challenge. Even with ministering the spirit, there was order that was put in the church. Because remember, everyone had received a gift. I thank God for growth. There was a time when we were growing up, we were so zealous about God that we would have overnights every Friday. So zealous, me and a certain generation, we would be so zealous overnight every Friday. No need for instruments, no need for chairs. It will start 21 hours, it will finish 05. Now what we're doing, even though we had a genuine heart, there was no order. Because we all perceived we had the gift. Ah well, come, the two of you. So this is what would happen. Ah, we start. Our favorite song was ancient words. Ancient words, ever true. And we couldn't sing that time, so we just had to play on a kafon. The Chinese phones were loud those days. Uh, <laughs> so it was enough. Changing me and changing you. And then someone will be, I feel, I feel. Whew, whew. Ah. Afterwards, this one now feels it. He prays for this one. He prays for me. After this one feels it. I get slain. When I, when I stand up, it's now me. I pray for you again. And I pray for you. You fall down. But brother, wake up, it's your time now to rise and pray for us. Up to 05, there was disorder. 
anything. I declare breakthrough over your life. Pa, receive it. In Jesus name. Thank you man of God. I receive. He stands up. I declare breakthrough over your life. Ah. Everyone is declaring breakthrough. Over each other's lives. There was no order. But you observe in, in, in the book of. Uh, that's First Corinthians 14. What was happening in the church at Corinth is that certain people started entering the prophetic a little bit deep using tongues. So, what would happen is that some will just go there. I've got a tongue. I've got a tongue. And they will just start speaking. Another one will want to speak at the same time while another one is saying a tongue. Disorder. Now, how will people interpret? You get my point? So, Paul says, guys, listen, there is order. Let there be order. If you have got a prophetic word, say it first. After you say it, let people judge. Then the next one, let people judge. There was order. Do you know, within church premises, I don't allow anyone to lay hands on people. Here, as here, or just in case you do it. When I say I don't allow anyone, I'm not saying everyone is forbidden. There are leaders that have trained who can come to you and say, "I've got a. uh, uh, This is what the Lord is leading. This, 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 that," and they will minister to you. Why? Because they've been trained that way. Yes, if. It's fine. I mean, it's order. If you want to lay hands, it shouldn't be at least. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or even just outside. Huh? But within church, I, I, will not, I don't allow anyone to just come and say, uh, The Spirit of the Lord is, is upon me, so um, get rid of it. No. Huh? You just go get. get hey! Why? Why don't I allow that? I understand the law of contact and transfer. I understand it. Yeah. Praise be to God. So there are are systems of order that run within the church. And in every church community, order is communicated and it should be followed accordingly. Hello? Because if it's followed accordingly, then it will be well. But at the end of the day, in conclusion, I really just wanted to explain to you that practices have an impact on you, both now and in the life to come. That's why study the scriptures to take note of every practice that has been given to you. I may not have said all the practices. There are a lot. You know, there are practices. The Bible tells us, do not cause joke. It's a practice. Don't cause joke. Don't do this. Don't do that. There are practices. Amen and amen. Let's rise to our feet.